I can go deep in science and engineering, or I can go really high level in thinking about my connection with people, with patients, their experience with our products, and, and having the opportunity to, to navigate that complexity on a day-to-day -day basis is, again, it's, it's really, really satisfying. From the Leaders for Global Operations program at MIT Sloan and the School of Engineering, this is the Playbook Series. In this series, we invite leaders of operations and technology at the world's biggest and most innovative companies to share a page out of their own leadership playbook. Welcome to another session of the Playbook series. Our special guest today is Lee Honeycutt. Lee is a leader of operations at Amgen, where she has had a dynamic career. After LGO, she joined the company as a strategic planning and operations manager, rose rapidly through various roles in quality and manufacturing, and currently serves as the executive director of global operations and a therapeutic area head. So thank you, Lee, for taking the time to speak with us, and I'll let you have the floor. Great, okay, so, um, and preparing for this discussion today, I was asked to think about um, a couple of things that may serve as, as guiding principles for me, either personally as it relates to how I approach my career or specific to my career. So I thought I would share a couple of those and then maybe provide a little bit of detail to what they mean to me. Um, the nice thing for me now to reflect being out of LGO for what is nearly 11 years, which is a little bit mind-blowing, um, is that both of these principles are actually things that I learned while I was there and they had continued to be really a guiding force for me and taken on different shapes throughout my career. Um, so the first that I'll share that has been of particular importance is the advice that I received um, as part of the, uh, what was the leading from the middle class at the time, um, and that was to be authentic. And I think it's really easy to oversimplify what this really means, but for me, uh, the reason it's been so critical to remain focused on is that I think as you're developing your career, I you know, give myself the advice and people that I mentor all the time that it's, it's really important to continue to reflect on who you are, uh, what is motivating, what is interesting to you, and, and who you want to present yourself as every day when you come to work. And I think when I had heard it back in LGO that the, um, the supplemental advice was really be authentic, but really because it's actually pretty exhausting to have to be someone else every day. And if what you do and, and, and how you do it, you have to try to be a little bit or too different in a way that it doesn't feel true to who you are, it doesn't feel natural, then your days will be that much more exhausting and, um, and they won't be as fulfilling. And so I think that it is really important to continue to understand who you are and what it means to be authentic to you because that will also change throughout your career, and so you need to be mindful of that. Um, and I think that for me, the part where it becomes a little bit deeper and, um, and, and is part of this constant crafting that you have to do on yourself is recognizing that uh, as you advance in your career, you're also going to continually get feedback. And some of it is very acute, uh, very straightforward, and, and minor adjustments that you can make. 
and um, and I think that that's the just the personal continuous improvement cycle that you'll be running through, and and recognizing that that part of that is just a, a constant adaptation that you'll have to make according to your audience, your setting, your role, um, and just being very mindful of where to make those minor tweaks. But I think that some of the feedback that you receive may be more um, defining, uh, where you have to make more of an active choice and understanding is this is this something that disrupts who is core to who you are, um, or is it something that is more of a minor adjustment? And if it's core, then I would encourage you to really to be you know, especially cognizant of that and be very, very active in making that choice of what you're going to do that keeps you feeling every day satisfied in who you are and um, what feels right to you. And, and this may be a, um, this may feel like it's a little bit more on the, on the edges, but I'll, I'll share it, which is earlier in my career, I actually recall uh, getting the feedback that I was um, very intense, um, very focused, and um, that it could come across as uh, somewhat stiff with some of the, the groups that I was working with. And what I found interesting is that I would hear from my, my manager at the time, you know, your direct reports, they love working for you, but they know you really well. Uh, it's the people that don't know you as well that, that when you interact with them, it, it can be, again, the, the word was intense. And I thought, okay, I'll have to, I'll have to you know, marinate on that a little bit. And uh, the advice that I received was to think about how to just spend time um, just talking to people and, and having this kind of before you jump in discussion, um, spend some time chatting and, and, and getting to know someone. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing for me was that I thought, well, I, part of what I, I really enjoy about my job is I like being very efficient with my time and with other people's time. So to me, this idea of creating some kind of what could be um, an obligatory conversation where you're just getting through some some niceties to, before you move on. That to me felt like it wouldn't be genuine to who I am in my style because I do want to be also very efficient, but, but there's maybe a different way around it. So rather than taking the advice to start creating this space between me and, and other people that was, could be perceived for me and them to be, again, obligatory, I decided to take a, a slightly different approach and that was through some self-reflection that said, well, really, I, I do want to continue to be efficient, but I'm actually a pretty casual person um, and, and very social. And so I think the people who, who know me well, they know that about me and feel very comfortable being around me. So if there's any way that I can insert that more naturally into my day-to-day, -day, then maybe that's the, the more refined point that'll, that'll feel true and, and authentic to who I am. So I took the approach of instead saying, well, I'm just going to insert more of my own personality into these uh, more professional settings and feel confident and comfortable in doing that. And part of that personality was that I you know, chose to instead use a sense of humor in more business settings and meeting settings than I historically would have, where I had this mindset of being professional and focused. Um, but instead, if I could be who I was more, then I could um, you know, insert those um, uh, I'm sure varieties of terrible at times jokes, but sometimes productive and, and getting a laugh out of you. But regardless, it felt like in those conversations, I got to be me. And, and so that became much more satisfying. And I immediately felt that that feedback had changed. I got why well, I, I know I felt it and I, and I heard back from my manager that I had definitely adjusted 
and that instead I got the feedback um, as a new piece of feedback, I should say, that, that showed up on the positive side, that um, people would actually say, she's, you know, she's really genuine, she's comfortable, she's warm to talk to. And for me, it felt like such a win because I was true to who I was. Um, I had gone through the self-reflection and, and understanding what was the, the adjustment that I wanted to make professionally to maintain that authenticity. Um, and it had a good outcome that made me feel better about my, you know, coming to work every day. So that's maybe a little more on the, on the personal side um, of one of those guiding principles. And, and now I'll, I'll jump into one of the more professional ones. And as I said at the beginning, this was also some of the advice that I received from my time at LGO. And this was uh, in, in a one-on-one -on -one setting with one of our leadership instructors at the time who had told me, that really, when you're thinking about making career choices, you should really do what you're passionate about. And again, I think on the surface, that can be also really oversimplified, but it turns out that's extremely complex. Um, and as someone who uh, has a, you know, a lifetime of pursuing a career that had a degree of, of security and, uh, and maybe uh, you know, a, a more intense focus on productivity and, and my choice, uh, out, output. I, you know, I, I never thought of myself as that person who um, could be an artist or, you know, an, an actress or a, it, it, some career where I was doing something that um, I was going to just pursue my passion and, and see what happened. And, and for people who do that, I, I am in awe because it's just, it felt very foreign to me. So to hear the, the advice, well, do what you're passionate about, well, what does that really mean to me? Um, and it turns out it has been quite a, a productive way for me to think about my career because it has been maybe more guiding at the time that I, I fully appreciate it. And so now it's easy for me to, to reflect back and, and kind of add up my choices um, and, you know, looking backwards and, and maybe now even more so looking forward to say, well, I, I have been doing what I'm passionate about and they have been guiding principles. And, and I, I recognize that there are many layers to how I might think about my, um, my passion and, and what I do at work every day. And so when I was making some of my career choice coming out of LGO, it was much more high level, much more general in how I thought about um, pursuing my passions. And, and those were things like I knew that I really liked helping people. Um, and there's a variety of ways that you can help people, but one of the ways that had been part of my my experience going through um, undergraduate and, and, and subsequent work was in healthcare, and uh, and so that remained true to to me as an area where I could continue to um, to explore in my career. And the other part of that was that I knew that I loved science. And early, I would say in my undergraduate career, I had the epiphany that I loved science. I loved reading about science. I loved that science was getting done, but I knew very early that I was not a PhD scientist. Uh, I knew that despite doing quite a bit of research, for me, I, I knew how important it was for someone to pursue a body of work. But for me personally, when I did it, it just didn't have quite the same level of satisfaction that I wanted to contribute to the world of science with some meaningful data. Um, it just wasn't as rewarding as I wanted it to be. But I, I knew that it needed to keep happening and, and I wanted to support it. So, so pursuing healthcare, and loving science is really what brought me to biotech. And then I think obviously if you're in LGO, you, know, you either think or you know that you love leadership. 
And to me, leadership was really about helping others grow, empowering them, and, and helping either individuals or an organization to achieve their best. And that was really um, another layer for me of thinking about at a high level, what am I passionate about? And then different parts of those things have manifested in my career more or less at different points in time. So specifically on the leadership side of things, I knew that when I was taking on roles within quality leadership, when I first took on uh, a role in quality, I actually did not plan to be any form of a quality professional. I thought I'd do it for a year and a half, maybe two years, and then I would move on to something else. But what I found is that if I could connect to that role and the things that I was passionate about, which was ultimately the science and problem solving, a big part of quality, at least in our industry, is being a really good problem solver and articulating how you perform an investigation, how you think through it, uh, and how you defend the choices that you make. And so when I realized that that was a part of quality, then it, it hit me. Actually, I think I, I like this function more than what I had maybe had in my mind based on some preconceived notion of what it meant to be a quality professional. And then the other part of that was it really was an opportunity for me to explore my passion and leadership. Uh, I led a, a multi-tiered, uh, layered organization. And, and so part of that was helping my direct reports, but then they had layers of, of staff below them. So it was, it was really empowering them to be um, successful in making decisions and advancing the organization but knowing that what I was investing in, in them was to, to cascade that down in the organization in a way that, um, that we were empowering you know, the whole organization to feel more successful, more engaged. And that was really exciting to me. And I, I invested a lot of energy into that. Um, I would say the majority of my energy at the time. And I found that to be extremely rewarding as well. Um, and then more recently, I would say I've, I've taken on a different role. So, Last year, I transitioned into um, uh, Executive Director of Global Operations, where I am the therapeutic area head for all of our cardiovascular, metabolic, and neurologic products. So what that means is that um, I am responsible for the commercialization, as we call it, advancing our products that move through the pipeline. And then even after they have commercialized, we continue to think about and, and very actively pursue innovation for these products that are meaningful to patients. So that was my role. And in this role, I don't lead a very layered organization. I, I lead a small team of, um, of directors who have global operations responsibilities for their individual products, which, which really mean that for them, they're responsible for being um, the, you know, the center of operations for our products. Um, so I, I don't have the, the while the passion for leadership is there, the organizational leadership is not. Um, so I have, I have found alternate ways to express my passion. And for, for me, that has been in the form of really digging in on what it means to, um, to offer products that are meaningful for patients. So I had the opportunity to uh, take on the role as our um, patient centricity leader for operations. This is an initiative that has been ongoing for the last couple of years at Amgen where we've acknowledged the need to be much more thoughtful, consistent, and active in how we hear the patient voice and integrate it into our, our product development process. And on, you know, upon getting that opportunity, I was 
I was maybe um, even more naive than um, and I realized how much at the time when I said yes, I, I didn't fully appreciate how much it resonated with my, my passion. But, but since taking on the role, I have realized that what I can do with it and where I can put a lot of energy and emphasis is, is very meaningful for both my, um, my team, um, our over, overall global operations planning organization that I um, sit in, um, but for operations holistically. So, so it has been extremely rewarding for me to now have the opportunity to cascade what is a passion area for me to the entire organization and make it meaningful. So, you know, this is just putting some of the pieces together where um, I've, you know, I've really been thoughtful in, in uh, recognizing what I can offer to the role in a way that um, it becomes apparent that I very genuinely care about it because I do. Um, and so it's, it's, a different, um, it's a different part of, of how I think that my, my passion can now be expressed because it's um, in an area where it's specific to my role and just by virtue of how much energy I feel good about putting into it and others can see that I put into it, um, you know, that to me is, is a, a different kind of satisfying and maybe a little bit more specific to a project or, um, you know, a, a more tangible opportunity rather than some of the others that are more kind of general guiding principles that I've used for, for myself and, again, advice that I give to others to continually reflect on and to be very conscious of when, when taking on some of these opportunities or pursuing um, different roles. So maybe with that, um, if I can uh, pause and answer any questions you may have or, or go into any more detail, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Lee. To start off, maybe we could go back to the leading from the middle principles you brought up. Since it was your manager who gave you the feedback that began your self-analysis process, what do you think is the role of the manager in helping team members think about their passions? And what tangible things can a manager do to promote that self-analysis process? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, um, you know, it's, one, it starts with just honesty and understanding from, from your team what they are passionate about. I think that um, once you can develop that relationship with your, your team, whether it be your direct reports or even deeper in the organization about what some of their personal interests are, um, then you can start to be creative in identifying the opportunities that will push on um, you know, really feeding that passion. Uh, I think you know, that takes shape in, in special projects that could come up or more um, um, areas of development where you spend extra time and identifying the, you know, the, the meaningful way to, um, to get a good output that is aligned with someone's developing passion. Um, but I think the, the other thing, and, and maybe more um, to, the, to the previous discussion, I think that as a leader, you can also continue to hone in on, um, on creating clarity for an organization around what that um, what that output is and the meaningfulness of it. So, you know, at the highest level for Amgen, it's, it's to serve patients. Um, and and that, is, that is unifying and, and motivating. But when you start getting down into your, you know, your organization that you might be responsible for and your, your team, it can, be, it can be much more refined. It can become more pointed in your, your daily output in a way that, um, you know, when you connect for the organization, why that output every day matters, the difference that it makes, um, and how it, um, how it resonates with their either individual passion or collective passion. 
then it, it can be even um, deeper and, um, and more specific in, in the motivation that it elicits. So it's important to find ways to express your passions, but was there ever an instance where you didn't feel like you could be authentic because of corporate goals or your leadership's expectations? And if so, do you have any tips on how to handle that sort of situation? I would say the one example that kind of jumps to mind was um, <clears throat> I was in a, uh, a special uh, a special assignment for a, a couple year period. And part of that was um, essentially a very impactful, um, very, you know, very meaningful project, but it had extremely high visibility all the way up to CEO staff. And how we were pursuing some of these opportunities, um, what I found was that for me personally, my authenticity was somewhat, uh, I, you know, I had to curve it, I'll have to say. And, and that was really the personality that I, that I showed in those settings because I realized that at that point in time, and the level that I was at relative to the levels that I was around, I had to make some very um, consistent choice around how I'd be presenting myself. And I found that in those settings, uh, my sense of humor was not as funny as I thought it was. So um, it was just an example of where, eh, you know, I know my audience. And that audience over an extended period, using um, that, that, that more kind of genuine level of, of personality was not, was not the way to be effective. Um, so that was a place where I did have to adjust and, and really dial back what had been something I had found for years to be um, very, very successful for me and, and personally satisfying for me, and I had to adjust. And it felt a little disingenuous, I have to say, but it was also just, I think, uh, you know, making some tweaks more to the business and, and, and the audience and the point in time of what I was working on. Say more, you know, at a, at a higher level, ethically or or anything beyond some of those. I have not really been in in a setting where um, I felt like my um, my overarching um, either principles or um, you know the more defining elements of of authenticity have necessarily been um, challenged or compromised. But but certainly a point in time where I've had to adjust. You also spoke about constantly reflecting on yourself as a person and how you might have changed over time. But it's not always easy to realize when those changes have happened, especially if they're gradual. Could you share some tips on how you've gone about the self-reflection process and how you identify areas of change and maybe how that's impacted your career choices? Yeah, um, I think for me, I would say that it really starts with just recognizing that it's an exercise that you need to go through. Um, that you need to be cognizant of doing that self-reflection. And, and really, I think it also comes down to, and this is, this is maybe more, more fundamental, um, if you're optimizing around what you're passionate about, it may mean that you're not necessarily optimizing around other lever, levers that you could. And what I mean by that is if you are thinking about um, how to get and how to advance as quickly in your career as possible. Um, if you're thinking about how to optimize around your earnings potential, um, you know, your, your trajectory, those, that's an example of something that can, can, doesn't necessarily mean it, it will, but it can be counter to instead focusing more on the things that you're, you're passionate about and letting that be your, more of your kind of optimizing function. So, I have said, I certainly recognize that throughout my career there have been defining times for me to make an active choice in, in acknowledging which 
which thing I'm going to optimize around. Where I've had uh, you know opportunities that were presented in, in front of me at the time, where you know promotions or or kind of growth promises that said, well, this is you know this is the option, and and here's your potential. And I I knew that it was going to be in some of those settings um, probably the fastest path for me to to move up. Um, but it also um, if, you know if I really asked myself more genuinely, what are the the types of experiences I want, the type of work that I want to do. Sorry, if I don't move in this room, the lights go off. Um, the uh, you know the what are the things that I'm that I'm really motivated by? Um, if I ask myself that more objectively, and I don't let these other things layer in that could bias my my choice and the roles that I take or how I approach them, then um, you know I, I think I'll I'll be much more satisfied. So so I think it's really about first just acknowledging that that's what you want to do, and that's not everyone's personal choice, or it's everyone's choice, but they might, may not choose to let that be what they want to focus on or optimize around. Um, but, you, you know, you need to ask yourself the question and do so regularly. And then I think the other thing is having um, relationships, having people, whether it be mentors that you have a deep connection with that are people that you can really trust to have some of these conversations with. And that doesn't mean, mean they have to be very senior in the organization. They can be more junior, but they have to be people that you, that you really trust and have respect for. Or even in your, you know, your your personal relationships, I have found that some of the more, um, you know, some of the more meaningful points in time where I've reflected on what I'm passionate about has really come out of having conversations with some of my friends who have nothing to do with the type of work that I do, right? When I see their day and and the things that they do and what motivates them and how they approach things, um, it's from a very different lens, and. I, I find those to be great opportunities to kind of take you out of your element and to put what you do and the choices you make in a very different context that you can otherwise get kind of sucked into as part of your world or your day and, and, and so much of your, you know, time being spent in the, the company you work for and in your, you know, overall setting. So I think leveraging those points in time for not just your own self-reflection, but being cognizant when you're when you're talking with others, whether they they know your your day to day as part of your your work, or they're completely removed, and might give you some some meaningful inspiration about how how to just think differently um, and and you know constantly refine that. I, I think those are the the two big things that you can do. To wrap up the session, maybe you could share what it is about operations or the healthcare field that really impassions you and makes your work more than just a job. Yeah, sure. I think that. Um, it kind of gets back to recognizing those areas of passion. Um, operations, I knew very early in my career that um, in life that I was an operations person. Um, I was that person who was wildly satisfied by optimizing, um, whether it be locally or globally, whatever it was, if I could figure out how to make it as efficient as possible, um, as clear as possible, then I, you know, I, it was, I, again, I'm a little embarrassed by how satisfying that is for me. So I knew that was defining, that it's part of my personality. I love operations um, and that I, I really wanted to, to pursue that. So I think specific to healthcare and to biotech is um, there's just so many places in this space where you can apply that kind of love, that kind of motivation, um, because the operations here are extraordinarily complex. And 
And I, I continue to learn every day just how complex it is. And to me, that is extremely motivating in what we do. I mean, I, I think about the molecules. I mean, it's just such a micro all the way up to a macro level. The molecules that we are producing, how manufacturable they are, um, and the processes that we do it with is, um, I mean, that that's extremely complex and beautiful. Um, it's a great mix of engineering and science, and you can you can never learn it all. So um, if you know if you're a person who can, likes to continue to learn and be challenged, um, a, a place like biotech, you will you will be hard pressed to in any way learn it all because there's just so many layers to the science and the engineering behind what we do. But then, then really taking it up all the way at more of the macro level, you know, the, the patients that we, we work with, they're not, they don't see the molecule. Um, they, that's not what's in their, their mind. What, what's in their mind and why they're taking it every day or week or month is the difference it makes in their life. And so for me to think about, I can, I can go deep in science and engineering, um, or I can go really high level in thinking about my connection with people, with patients, their experience with our products, and, and having the opportunity to, to navigate that complexity, um, you know, that depth on a day-to-day -day basis is, again, it's, it's really, really satisfying. So if any of that resonates with you in thinking about um, what you're passionate about, then I would say, you know, can consider this as an industry. Um, but uh, if you do so, just know what your motivations are. Um, because you you'll find yourself in a in a place where you know you're 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 in a crowd of people who are um, genuinely um, similarly motivated in that way and and um, and if that you want to if you want to jump on board then great if it if that doesn't feel right for you then you know you'll you'll be in foreign territory because that's I think the the space of um, this industry. Lee, thank you again for speaking with us. It's important that we as leaders not only keep tabs on the health of our teams, but also on ourselves. And it's invigorating to hear from a leader who's actually put that into practice. I wanna thank you all for listening and we'll catch you on the next session of The Playbook. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Thanks to Eric Ferris and Josh Jacobs for their help and Gar Au for the music.